When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yes, yes. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Our guest this week, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, is Guy Favaza. But you may know him as on KSHE95, where he has been working for decades and is synonymous with one of the most storied radio stations in St. Louis. I would have to say, Gangster Pete, chime in here. I'm going to put you, I'm going to put you on the clock. A rare appearance from Gangster Pete in an interview. Uh, Mount Rushmore of powerhouse radio stations in St. Louis since the start of radio. Mount Rushmore. And, and, and we'll take KFNS out just for the, just of course, because we are employees of KFNS radio. So uh, I think there's well, two obvious ones, but I'm curious. KC and KMOS. All right, that's where we are. are I agree. The two that come to mind, and then everything else behind that. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know what else. Z one hundred seven. I don't know. I don't. I, I like if you're Y ninety eight might be in play. Right. Why ninety eight might be in play? I don't know. Ninety three seven maybe. I mean, that was classic rock for a while. Now it's country. I don't know. But either way, I, mean, I might be missing an obvious one. But uh, but certainly when you're talking top two, KC and KMOX. Agreed. I mean, KMOX is a, a is a national brand from a news talk standpoint, and of course the Cardinals, and uh, I mean that sports department in the 1970s with Jack Buck, Dan Kelly, Bob Costas, Dan Deardorff. Uh, now I'm inevitably in, in, unintentionally leaving people out, but I mean that's you know that's a that, that's a powerhouse. And then when it comes to classic rock, I watched this documentary on KC. Major recommendation for it. Um, and what that was when it started out and they were located in Crestwood and, um, how all these bands, cause the name of the game for what we now call classic rock, but at that time was to get radio air, airplay. And so these bands would come into St. Louis and they would go to Crestwood. Can you imagine that now? Uh, go to Crestwood to meet up with the DJ and sometimes they're DJs and sometimes they just wind up hanging out there. A great documentary, really good stuff. Uh, the original pictures and all that stuff. So we've had John Hewlett and Learn on and, uh, and Favaz. Um, I mean, just one of those people as you, as we, I, as we, as we talk at the outset regarding, you know, just good people in radio. And I guess really when it gets down to it, there's way more good than bad. It's just like the handful of bad, like really stand out. And then you go, yeah, I got radios full of these assholes and these guys who cause shit. And, and then you go and you take a step back and you go, yeah, I mean, there, there might be, but you know, the more you think about it, the, the, the less of those there are. 
However, uh, Favaz is certainly uh, one of the good guys. And um, you know what? Iggy always talked about this podcast that uh, that he and John Hewlett do. And then Favaz and I, over the course of this, talk about it. And I have it right here because once we got done with it, um, I, I went to, uh, to, to subscribe to it. And they call it the KC Tapes. And what it is is, and I've listened to a few of these now, um, Hewlett and Favaz will play these interviews of uh, they that they did, you know, years ago on KC. So I've listened to Don Henley, Tommy Lee. God, who are they? There's like, I think at the beginning, there were a couple of these that were like signature ones. Um, and since I've already listened to them, it looks like it's been deleted from my podcast subscription, but I've been listening to these things here previously played. What else do I have here? Oh, uh, Slash and Duff talking about uh, from 2004, talking about the Riverport Riot with Guns N' Roses. They were in town promoting Velvet Revolver, that band that was with Scott Weiland. Favaz did an interview with Paul McCartney, which he talks about in this interview and what that experience was like. I'm a, I'm a, I, I would, th I don't know. Pete, we're in the same generation. For whatever reason, I, and I don't know why my wife's this way, but I, I would consider her a little younger uh, generation-wise. Um the Beatles, I've just never been a big Beatles guy, which I know in some, for some people it's like blasphemy, you know? I'm the, I'm the same way. And I don't know why that is. I like some of their stuff, but when I grew up, I was more into sports than music. I got yeah. more into music later in life. Yeah. And, but, yeah. So, I, and I, it's it's not that I dislike them. It's just for some people it is the thing. And I think it's, I think it's more a product of the introduction of rock and roll and in the 60s and Ed Sullivan and how it became just a phenomenon and owned the culture. Because if I were to talk to somebody who's like 20 now and talk about Michael Jackson, they'd go, oh yeah, I saw the documentary. I go, no, but the Thriller album. And they'd go, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, so it's probably, uh, it might be generational. So anyway, my point is it doesn't matter that I'm not like, you know, cause I saw McCartney perform. He performed at Super Bowl 36, the Rams and Patriots. And I was like, well, that's cool. I'm getting a chance to see Paul McCartney. Um, but it just doesn't hold. But even if, if somehow, and I don't expect it to happen, we've had a request for Brooks Kepka. I guess I'll put a request now for Paul McCartney as a podcast guest. I'd be like, oh, my God, that's Paul McCartney. You know, and, and so Favaz got a chance to experience that, and he tells that story, and that was on the KC tapes. This podcast, it takes a lot for me to go out of my way to recommend a podcast just because there's so many of them, and I know it's almost like, People are like, dude, I can't keep up with them anymore. So, you know, please don't saturate my uh, podcast subscription list with any more unless it's, and I'm telling you, this is really good. Plus, um, you know, Hewlett and Favaz are just cool guys and they, and they play these interviews and they kind of talk over them and stop them and ask each other questions because they weren't working together on them. Uh, it's one or the other playing them. So, and then you hear these guys doing these interviews. And, uh, and they treat Casey, certainly Sammy Hagar was another one, obviously. He's absolutely synonymous with Casey in St. Louis. So it's just really good. Big time recommendation on that podcast. Loved talking to Favaz um, because Casey is this heritage station in St. Louis. It's, I think, fair to say, if it's not the, it's certainly one of the most respected stations in St. Louis on the FM dial. I mean, we talked about KMOX. Um, and and to hear his perspective on not only being a part of that, being around these artists, but also how 
the industry has changed, especially for music stations and being a part of it. Uh, going back now, I guess it sounds like, I mean, I think he was listening and maybe interning in the late eighties. We talked about the early nineties and then he got a job there and, and, and now hosting afternoons. Um, you know, and it's cool when you get, I, I always like the, the interviews with the radio people or the TV people, because what we do is we talk. And so it's never like, God, I hope I can't, and I hope I can't ask this because they're happy to talk about it. So, um, some good stuff in here from a good guy. And it was cool. I guess we, I don't know if we'd ever met, but, um, it was cool to get to know him. And uh, I think we might go out and play golf sometime. Me, him, you and Iggy. Iggy's a big KC 95 guy. Now I realize a lot of that might have to do with learn, but he's a big fan. He's the one who told me about the podcast. We talk about that as well. Major recommendation to subscribe to. I think you'd really like it. I, and I'm not throwing around endorsements just for the hell of it. I mean, hell, it's a totally different radio station, but I just think, think really, uh, it was, it's been a good listen. And when he told me about it, I'm like, oh, that sounds good. And then I listened, I'm like, oh, that is good. I look forward when they have new ones coming out. Hey, Mark Hanna is the, uh, guest sponsor here on the Tim McKernan show. Mark Hanna is at Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503. You can go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark's great guy. Um, and it goes beyond that because you need somebody who is going to be looking out for you and helping you with your finances, but not necessarily going, Hey, I've got a tip on this particular stock. You're going to want to buy up this. That's not what it's about. It's about getting your information, asking you what you with your goals, and then putting you on a plan to get there. And I, I look back on some of these conversations I had in my early 20s with my buddies who were just getting out of business school and they were in finance and, and they're telling me, oh, you got to do this and I'll do that. And you can just set, you know, like 60 bucks aside. And, you know, I'm just like, why would I do that? I need that. I need to go out and go to the stag bar or whatever. Uh, but, you know, look back on it now and wow, that really was a miss. Don't miss anymore. Just having someone you know you can email or call and get you on the right track, or just if you are on the right track, if you have a question, maybe get on a better track. I've got that going on right now. He's a good person, smart person. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314-889-0503, 314-889-0503. Go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, our guest sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. Favaz came into the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly. And his staff, I'm telling you, I don't know how it is for everybody uh, else. It just happens to be going on, on in my neighborhood. Uh, I mean, houses are coming up on the market and they are gone within minutes, it seems like. I mean, oh, there's one up. It's, it's, it's been nonstop since, since the start of the year, which isn't even really home buying season. There have been three, uh, God, within 10 houses of me, maybe people are tired of living around me and they're just gone with like within, within a w every one of them. Uh, and then I see there's another one that's going up soon. So it's coming soon. It's, you know, it's crazy. People are buying homes and it's great. Uh, but you want to make sure when it's that competitive that you're ready to go. Because if you find a friend of mine was telling me that they knew that they wanted a house on this particular street, the builder, like at midnight, texted and said, Hey, I know a house is coming available on this street. You got to tell me yes or no, because if you don't tell me yes, by the time you wake up, 
it's going to be gone. So you want to be equipped with a pre-approval. Ryan Kelly can do that, thehomeloanexpert.com. Furthermore, with property value increasing in so many different places, you might have some equity that could really help you take care of high interest rate debt. Do that with Ryan Kelly and the homeloanexpert.com team. He is our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show, and he will take the best care of you, thehomeloanexpert.com. All right, our guest this week, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies from KC95. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Favaz. Favaz, thanks so much for coming in, man. Uh, it is a pleasure being here. I had no idea where the hell this place was. What do you think? Yeah, just randomly in a Kirkwood strip mall. I had, you know, uh, Kenny told me it was by the brew house and we were just discussing outside. I was thinking of the brew house in like the heart of Kirkwood. Yes. That one. Caused confusion in the past. Yes. And then I was like, oh, there's another one right here. Yeah, what right. the hell? So, <laughs> and then I saw your uh, neon sign out there. That's we, right. We don't even have one of those at Casey. Yeah. We that, don't have a, a sign at all. There really isn't. Now that I think about it, you guys are off of Olive. Right. For years, you were driving downtown. Yes. Now, I've talked with some of your, your peers who are now at Hubbard but were at Emmis. Mm -hmm. Do you prefer, because some, some liked going downtown, some like the new location off of Olive. What is your preference? Because it always gets back to what is best for you, of course. I didn't mind downtown at all. Yeah. Uh, downtown got dicey the last few years. I mean, Yeah, quite... there was like a stop right by where your guy's station was that was having all kinds of issues. There were two now? murders Perfect. within a two-minute walk of where we were. And, you know, for me, it's just like, that's the city life, man. I lived in the city for a long time. Did I, you? I, yeah, I lived uh, off of, uh, um, I, I lived on Eichelberger. I and I knew you, you, Tam Avenue. Yeah. So, so, like, were you like on that stretch of Eichelberger? I, I, I didn't was, know this. Uh, I was on Eichelberger at, um, I guess, was it Hereford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in between Hampton and Kings High. I know exactly. And what I you're just about. sold my house uh, last July. I rented it, and uh, I, I rented it out. And I, I, I always missed living in the city because it seemed like right when I moved, I live in Alton now because my 15 year old lives up there. Uh -huh. uh, all the good restaurants came. There are some great restaurants around like, there. You know, I love working in the city. I love being close to work, but driving to get him all the time and bring him to my house just got to. Yeah, you know, no, yeah. I, I, but I, I did not. So getting back to Union Station, I parked there the other night for the ball, uh, hockey game. And, uh, you know, for years and years, I went to hockey games and had the, the card so I could just bypass everybody and uh, go out the back entrance, and I couldn't this time, and it took a good 20 minutes to get out of that fucking lot, and it sucked, and I was just like, I, maybe I don't miss this place uh, like I did. But I was looking at the buildings, you know, we were in the annex for years, and then we were in the powerhouse, and I was like, I spent so much of my life yeah. in those two buildings. And now where we're at, at 270 and Olive is great. Uh, I'm a foodie, so there's tons of great places to eat and mm -hmm. it, it's only about three or four minutes longer of a trip and um it's it's cool like some like when i leave here it's it's not that far yeah oh yeah here. you'll be five minutes yeah from, from here now yeah so you have been at kshi am i correct on this 26 years 20 20 or 28 years 28 started it'll be 28 years. years it'll be 28 in june wow it's crazy man now when i i, I like, I think now I've been doing radio for 17 years, and mm -hmm. I started KMOV in 2000, so that's almost 20 I years. used to and watch, it, brother. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. had hair. It was yeah. a wonderful yes. thing. I we both did relate. <laughs> what, a, what a motherfucker yeah. that was. Because <laughs> I started losing my hair at 18. I I had a receding hairline, but, like, when I was at KC— You pull it. I'm, I'm being very serious here. 
it's probably a good look for you. Like, I don't know what you look like with hair. My wife oh, says, the look oh, now? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Like, it's, I think this is a good play for you. I, I, and I, I but I don't know what, to, I, I, don't know compa- I don't compare, I don't know what to compare the before to. Well, I was worried because I've seen some bald heads that look like shit. Yeah. And... So I got a weird shaped head. Right. So I'm just stuck. But what else am I going to do? Yeah. You know? And so I was really concerned. But you got a great symmetrical head. Yeah. Perfect... And I shaved it and I was like, yeah, it doesn't look that bad. So when did you start shaving it? Uh, just uh, four years ago. Really? That's it. Yeah. Yeah, because I started, I mean, I th- there was a certain picture, a band, Royal Bliss came in, some friends of mine, and we took a picture outside at Union Station. And it was one of these where I had my camera up above and we were oh, all looking up. It. And I could see, I, I was just like, <laughs> that's it, man. And the next day I shaved it all off. And I, oh, that was it? Yeah, and I haven't looked back. And, and, and I... I enjoy That's it. That's the look. That's yeah. the place. So, so you have it cleanly bald. I clipper. Yes. What, what do you use? This is actually important yes. to me. Yes. I use a Mach 3 razor. And do you do it in the shower? Uh, no, I do not do it in the shower. I could never. I like to look. You got to be able to see. I got to be able to see yeah. whether, you know, I, I, mean, I could probably do it with my eyes closed, but, you know, like this morning at 630 in the morning, um, I'm I'm going out tonight, which I'll tell you about in a second. I got to hear what's going on here. Um but uh, I needed to shave my head, and so I shaved it this morning. And it take I shave about every four days. There's no way that I want to shave my head every day. I don't shave my face every yeah. day. Why would I shave my head? And so I, I just started doing it, and, you know, the wife liked it. And uh, I was just like, oh, it's natural progression, I guess. You know? So what do you have going on tonight that you were shaving your head <laughs> well, for? Well, tonight, I, I, and I haven't, I haven't said anything on the air yet or, or anything. I am the Arts, Media, and Communications Alumni of the Year. At Lindenwood University. Look at you. Another, another Lindenwood that? success story. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. And so um, I had to go out and buy a, a new suit for it. And uh, so tonight we we go to the Shy Digger Hall at, at Lindenwood and I get a plaque. And How about I this? speak a little bit. And I, I really don't know what the hell's else goes on. I don't know. They're if others, honoring. They're yeah, honoring, they're honoring me, man. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, it's pretty cool. And so my professor who emailed me was asking me for like my resume. I don't have a resume. I haven't had yeah, a fucking so, resume yeah. for 28 years. <laughs> if somebody has a resume, yeah. I'd be done. So I, I had to pull up a bio that the, the, the salespeople use and, and blah, blah. And so I sent him all this and I was just like, I figured he was just doing some kind of newsletter or whatever. And he finally tells me that I'm the alum of the year. I was like, well, why didn't you tell me oh in the beginning? God. So it was really cool. And I used to go out drinking with him quite a bit. <laughs> you know, I when I went to Lindenwood, I, I did the LCIE program, which was Lindenwood College in the evening. Okay. So I had a full-time job. I'd go do, you know, go to class. But, you know, I was uh, on the air at KCLC. And I got my uh, a great deal of experience there. And I graduated from Lindenwood. And so it was vastly different then, 28 years ago. From where it is now. Oh my God! And, now the it's... buildings and and the guy that used to Bob Highland used to came uh, uh, wax days. He used to uh, uh, he would not, I don't want to say take care of the station, but he would funnel money to really yeah to keep it going. And then the other guy who came after him, who was a lo- very controversial figure, and I don't remember his name, he kept doing the same thing. And they built all these buildings, and and it was his. I think it was his fault that it, it got to be as big as it is. I don't even know who's in charge now. It's who's a so chancellor. huge. And so. so many people have come out of that. Steve, work. what's his name from Channel 4? He's one, isn't he? Uh, uh, the, the guy that does, uh, the, he's the anchor. You Savard? Know yeah. yeah I, I believe Savard. he's. Does he, he Lindenwood? Lindenwood? I, I know that he played football at Northwest Missouri. I don't know if he was. He didn't Lindenwood go to Lindenwood broadcast. at all. I could be. I could be wrong. What about Dan McLaughlin? Dan McLaughlin is 100% Lindenwood. Yes. Randy Carricker, if I'm not mistaken, is Lindenwood. I is think, he? Now, he works I think, with me. Or 
or his son went there, or both, possibly yeah. Bob Ramsey. Bob Ramsey is Lindenwood, wow. and I feel like I'm leaving. Do out Do you remember Robin funny. Smith? Oh, of course, I worked with Robin. Smith. I think Robin Smith is may that have right? Gone there later on in life. Is I that think, right? I think yes. yeah. It's just turning mm-hmm. out broadcasters yeah, left and right. Crazy. I think there's some up and coming broadcasters. Who is? Oh, Amsinger. You're right. Greg Amsinger from the MLB Network. Really? Yeah, he's a Southside guy, like really? real Southside. Like wow. I'm kind of Southside. You were real Earth Southside, and he's St. John the Baptist Southside, oh, which is okay. like. That's a south side. Yeah. And now he's got multi-year, million-dollar contract at uh, MLB Network. Good for, uh, yeah, wow, God I don't bless even know that name. Lindenwood, wow. yeah, wow. MLB Network guy. So, so w- were you going to Lindenwood like in the late '80s, and yeah. then you got to KC? Was that the was that the chronology? Yeah, I was. I was going to uh, Flow Valley too. Okay, so, so you're working full time in non-broadcast. Full full time working for the state of Missouri Division of Aging. Downtown oh in the Wainwright Oh, my God. Right. That's like, Before that's like downtown that's more depressing exploded. than reading the comment section. <laughs> Ten years, I did it. <laughs> oh, did. really? And I wouldn't have been able to do, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd be at Casey if I wasn't there because I did my internship, which I eventually got while I was at the state, and they would let me go, and, you know, I would take my time, uh, you know, sacred vacation or whatever, and I did both, and I eventually graduated. They knew what I wanted. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't get Casey full-time until, you know, a few years later, and then I finally quit. But uh, at the time when I was going to Flow Valley and I went to Lindenwood, I was going to both colleges at the same time at one point, worked at both stations at the same time at one point while I was working. And I think I started the Lindenwood thing back in, like, 89, something like that. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. So when you get the Casey job— and I realize what you got in 91 is different than, you know, hosting yeah. five hours a day and afternoons now. Right, but right. was that like a, was that a benchmark Absolutely. moment? Absolutely. Yeah. So no, tell me was, about that. Because I remember like my phone calls, like to get the job at KMOV and I'm working in Little Rock and I'm, you know, I'm like almost weeping. I'm so fucking happy. Right. So right, what was your experience right. like? Well, for me, it was, uh, I, I met Drew Johnson, who is our production director yeah. now. And Drew was my favorite DJ at Casey. And this was back in 87, when I was just going to flow, I hadn't even been on the radio yet. And I had to do a, 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 an oral report on how a radio station was run. And I was like, I'm going to interview Drew. And so I skipped my psych class that night, I remember. And I went down to Mississippi Nights and because I knew all the KC jocks were going to be there. I met Drew. Drew went to KCFV. Oh, really? Flo, so we had a connection. It was great. Yeah. And so... Um, he's like, yeah, come on down, you know? So I met him and then, uh, I was still too much of a chicken shit to be on the radio, even in college. At that point, I was like, what so am you, I going to talk you, about? Like you would be uncomfortable when you'd be behind the microphone? Yeah. I didn't really know what, what I would talk okay. about. And so I wasn't there yet. I knew I wanted to do it, but I just didn't know how I was going to do it. Yeah. So anyway, Drew was like, yeah, let me know when you graduate six months before you graduate. I'll get you an internship at Casey. I was like, okay. You know, so I kept. In touch with him, I wasn't a pest. I would send him air checks, yeah. and he was like, "Wow, you're really you're good. I think you could do this, you know." And I just knew I wanted to be at Casey. Uh, I I I wanted to do it just to be around the music, to to be involved, and it would piss me off to listen to Casey to hear jocks on there that I thought I was better than, and I was just like. I, I need to be there right now. Why aren't I there right, right now? Right. You know? So anyway, uh, you know, went to both schools, did both stations. And in January of 91, um, I got my internship at Casey under Ed Brown, who was the production director. And six months later, they hired me. Wow. I never left. Wow. <laughs> what, what, t- what time slot were you doing when you first started? Uh, everywhere. I anywhere. actually, when they hired me, I was running the board for Smash, oh, really? the U-Man, and Craig Hawksley. Really? A comedian. So I would, yeah. uh, I'd have to do the morning show. Uh, they, you know, they, it was a brand new morning show. So I came in five, I think we started at five, 
went to five to ten. It was five crazy. to ten. And uh, I did the mornings. And then when I'd get off at 10, I'd go to my steak shop. It was crazy, man. I, I mean, I how are you kept, functioning? Because you're probably getting really up to hard. What, three or something? It was really, I lived in Florissant at the time. So uh, it was hard. I was probably, I mean, I literally would get up and then leave. So 4.15, something like that. And I only, I could only do it uh, for like the a few months. I, I finally told my boss, I was like, I can't do it anymore. Physically, it's just, it's fucking yeah, me up. Absolutely. And so then he, um, he took me off. And he gave me Saturday nights and he gave me the seventh day, which I do now. And um, so I was part time and I did every shift and I was like the designated board up for the morning show. So when they would go out and do a, a, a remote every Friday, they would do the greasy spoon tour. Oh, nice. You know, um, I would be running the board. Um, I'd, I'd start to, you know, I was filling in for full, full timers. I did overnights. I did one uh, one night a week. I would do the overnights. I'd get off at 5 a.m. And I'd sleep in my car, and then I'd go to my day job at the state at oh 7.30, and that was God. that was worse. Oh, my God, Yeah, man. dude, it was I, – I would go eat at White Castle. I remember on King's Highway. Well, I respect that place. Yes, and I would eat <laughs> breakfast, and then I'd sleep in my car, and then I'd go to work, and I would just be in a fog. It would It sucked. But the, you, but but I didn't want to tell them no. Yeah, that's the thing. When you're starting out, whether it be in TV right. or radio, you got to say yes to essentially yes. everything. Yeah, I was on call for them. Yeah, you know, I mean, even at the at the state job, if 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 Al Hofer called me at one o'clock and said, "Can you be on the air today at 3 I'd be like, "Yeah, I'll make it happen." Uh, you know, yeah. and then I would just tell my boss, "I." They're calling me. They they knew that that that's where I wanted to be. You know, so so to work with Hewlett. Who you, you now are regularly working yes. with, but at the time, yes. even then, because we're going back 28 years, and he had been there, has been there, right. going back to what we had him in. What year did he start there? He okay, I, so I've been there 28 years. He's got 15 years on me, so okay. he's been there 43 years. 43 years, so 76 or right. 77. Yeah, I mean, like so you had to be like, I would imagine, in, in some capacity, starstruck. Absolutely, when you were, yeah, with him and Smash, because I knew who Smash was. Before, I mean, I was a Casey listener, so I had been listening to John forever. And when John did that fake nuclear attack, I don't know if you remember. Oh no, we, I believe we had a good conversation about that in here. <laughs> yeah. So I was in my car. I was an intern. I was an intern at the time, and I heard it, and I knew it was fake. You know, when you hear Don Pardo on a nuclear test thing, you're like, okay, this must be funny. You know, well, he got in a lot of trouble yep. for it. And the Riverfront Times, the the their next edition, they had. Uh, a caricature drawing of him and smash and whatever. And I had John sign it and John wrote, don't ever do this. I <laughs> <laughs> love the email. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, back then to meet him and, and smash was the one that started calling me Favaz. Oh, is that right? The day after the guns and roses riot. Really? Now why? What's, was the, what's the tie in there? Um, I was doing, I was, I was employed then. So I was, uh, you know, I had to be... Was that August 91? No, that was July of 91. July 91, okay. So I went to the show. I had bought my tickets, uh, went with my buddies, and, uh, you know, the riot happened. And I, you know, full well knew the next morning I had to be on the air at 5. Oh, yeah. It, it took forever to get out of there. And I Where saw were you when that all was going on? Oh, I was down in front of Slash. Oh, really? Oh, I was in the 13th row. So you're 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 damn near I was everything. There. I right. remember what everything we got going on it. here. I, I remember I like a first person account. And when the shit started flying, that's when we left. I mean, it was it was amazing. Which yeah. which way from from them from, or the, from crowd, the crowd from the crowd uh -huh. to the stage, man. People were starting to throw chairs and and stuff. And and I, at that point, you know, me and my two buddies were like, we better probably leave, you know, because I'm not gonna stay around. A 
watched. And people started throwing when they walked off. When they walked off, um, and then they just never came, came back. back. And it took and it a while. It became clear that they weren't coming We back. did a video thing, uh, uh, Welcome to the Riot Show, we called it. And we had backstage footage from a guy that was a Guns N' Roses roadie. And he issued a cease and desist after we uh, uh, posted it online. And I've got a copy of it. It's oh, great no stuff. Way. Great stuff. Shows the band like ready to go back out. But Axel was an asshole back then. So the band was going to go back band out. band was going to go back out. And they didn't. And uh, that's when they deemed it was too dangerous. And then all of a sudden when they turned the lights on, whew, that's when all the shit started flying. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget being on 270 going back to Florissant and all the cops coming the opposite way on 270 i was like wow what are we missing i'm like kind of glad because i got to get up it you know and so then the next morning um smash he wanted my first hand account from and he's and he called me let us now check in with uh the mighty favaz as he is known in parts you know how smash is and that was it. Stuck. Oh my God! I never. Yeah. I was because that was one of my questions. Yeah. Like, how the name? How the name? I go? had all these names, uh, last names picked out because my first name's Guy, and I would use Favaza because when you say it to 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 somebody, they go what you know mm-hmm. or you know. And so I was not gonna. And then he started calling me Favaz, and so my boss was like, "Well, I like it. Why don't you just go with that?" I was like, "All right." Well, for the next two or three years, it was brutal. Because listeners would meet me and call me Shavaz, Lavaz, <laughs> Pavaz. And I was just like, whatever, man. I don't give a shit. So that's how that started. Smash. You, were, you were baptized with two of like, like Smash and the U-Man are in a business that's chock full of some weird assholes. motherfuckers. Assholes. Like, assholes yeah, weird man. motherfuckers is not as good. Assholes yes. is the right word. Yes. It actually is. Those guys, are like if best. you were just asking me, and I never worked with them but if you were to ask me, like, okay, think of people you've met in St. Louis media, the nicest people. And I, I think, I, with, even though I've hardly ever even talked with, I mean, you man's been in here and Smash, I've met here and there. But the, for real, it's like two of the best guys. Yep. So for that to be your first gig. I was that's, lucky, that's, man. Yeah, yeah. I was really guy. lucky uh, working for those two, even in the morning show. I learned so much, you know, just about you know, being around the morning show and how to get into a bit, how to get out of a bit. You know, if you're going to talk about something, you got to have a way to get out of it. Yeah. You know, there's so many DJs, not only in, in terrestrial radio, but satellite, you hear them talk about something and then they'll just hit the button, Yeah. you yeah. know, and they'll go back into music it, or whatever. Their voice just kind of trails yeah, off. Like, yeah. I got uh, nothing else. Oh, yeah. Or especially <laughs> Let me like, hit the post. You know, if you're, I, I, I'm not a bit person, but you know, back then, you know, smashing them used to do bits. And so you had to find a way to get out of that bit, mm-hmm. you know, to get back into music or go to commercial or whatever. And I learned all that just from those two, especially Smash. Uh, he was, he was, uh, and I just uh, emailed with him the other day. He's he's a great guy and um, so Is many- Is he in St. Louis or he's in he's Arizona? In St. Louis. He's in St. Louis. He was there. Arizona. Yeah, he was in Arizona. His Arizona. wife passed away a few years yes. ago. And uh, he's he's back and I love the guy. And I, I just, I learned so much from him. And I continue, you know, from John, you know, it's, uh, you know, now that he and I have the podcast, our own podcast going and you know i do the mornings on friday it's a it's a trip to be with him because all those years you know when i became a dj i never was on the air with john we were i I was always the opposite end you know he was always on the morning or his own show and i never really was on the air with him until january of this year yeah and so you now go in on friday friday mornings with the u-man and learn yep and they call it Favaz Fridays. Favaz Fridays. And you just BS with them. <laughs> and I just I just react. I, I've come up with a couple games that we play. Um, but mainly, um, you know, they have a few things planned out. But, 
you know, John is very much fly by the seat of your pants guy. Mm -hmm. And so my job is to basically react and be myself. And Tommy Matter and our boss just, uh, you know, he told me as a result of the podcast, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a second, but, you know, uh, everybody in the building that has heard the podcast love John and I together. And we work really well together. We're, uh, you know, if I may say, I mean, we're funny. And um, Tommy was like, you need to be on the morning show. I, I need to get you more involved with the morning show. I was like, okay, you know, sure, I'll sure, do, it. do it. But then there, yeah. I, what I was curious about, I'm like, okay, so you're working afternoons. That's a big, like, I'll talk with Rizzuto, you know, mm -hmm. and we'll BS. And I go, and he gets there, I think. At, I don't know. He gets, He's he, there early. Yeah. Man, like a 3.30. Yes. I think. And I'm just like, how in the hell do you do it? I mean, our yeah. show is improv and we if we had it scripted out, I don't think it would be the same. Right. And he's like, I, he goes, that would scare the hell out of me if I were just going on and I didn't have like, he right. goes, I just have to, I have to get in early. It's just the way that I am. Right. And then he'll take a nap when he gets home and then his right. kids get home and that's his plan. But I was wondering for you going from doing afternoons and I realized that's not nights, how you right. handle the. It's, it's no big deal. Yeah. I mean, if it, it would be different if I had to prep, you know, if I had to do show prep, I would probably get there earlier than sure. five thirty. Uh -huh. I get there at five thirty in the morning. If I had to get, you know, if I had to do show prep, I might, I might get there at four thirty. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And um, because you know, like I said, basically, I just react to what they do, and and I've come up with a couple of games and that that we like that we play, and um, you know, I mean, as far as show prepping goes, even in the afternoon, you know, I make sure I'm well read. You know, I'm I know about music, I know about current events, whatever, but. But it's nothing compared to a morning show. Yeah. And and when I'm done at 5.45-ish, I'm out the door, man. Yeah, I'm gone. Gonna, that'll wrap that up. I'm gone. Yeah. So the podcast. Yeah. Worst what, one ever in KC history. Yeah. How about that? So what What was, how did how did this come to fruition? So we, you know, Hubbard bought us last year uh, at about this time. And was so. Was that traumatic for you? Absolutely. I would imagine so. We were all. It was traumatic for me and I'm not even there. I mean, we had our <laughs> HD2 thing, but I mean. Right. Yeah, I was, yeah. It, it, uh, it, you know, all those years, Emma's owned Casey, uh, bought it in 1984. I didn't know it went back that far. 84, yeah, that wow. went back that far. Saved it. Saved Casey, for sure. Um, and then all of us were always proud to be a part of Emma's because, you know, the owner, Jeff Smullyan, was a good guy. He it was private. Then he took it public. Then he tried to go back to private and it never worked. And so uh, it was just a great environment to work in, great culture. And um, when we got bought by Hubbard, we got lucky because Hubbard is a great company, too. Uh, but one of their things is they love the podcast. At, over at Emma's, I knew what a podcast was, but there was never any right. pressure to say, hey, you got to do one. Well, you know, my boss at the time, Rick Bayless, he was like, uh, they're kind of pushing that way. So we had a, uh, a conference call with a PD from a Hubbard station in Cincinnati who knew a lot about, who knows a lot about podcasts. And he said that, he goes, I got to tell you, he goes, I went on your website to the Casey Real Rock Hall of Fame, and I do most of the Hall of Fame interviews when we induct them into the Casey. You know, we, we have full video and, you know, I ask questions. What do you think? What do you think about when I say St. Louis, mm -hmm. you know, to Paul Stanley of Kiss or to Sammy or whatever? He goes, I've seen all those interviews. That is a gold mine for a podcast. You know, he goes, you should do something with that, play him back, you know, whatever. And so John and I were like, okay, that sounds like fun. And John had the idea of, so we called the Casey tapes. We basically take an interview that I've done or he's done, and we play it back, but we, this was John's idea, we pause it wherever we want to pause it and give each other shit 
or ask questions or whatever. And so it's not your typical, like, yeah, here's the interview. Here it is. And we play, play back. Yeah. You know, and we've done everything from, you know, like my McCartney interview where I sat on a couch with him and, and I described, you know, what it was like, you know, hurry up and get, it was, uh, it was one of those days where it was, uh, I can't think of the term now, but you, you got to hurry up and hurry up and wait. It was like a press junket? No, he was here in town. Was this now? What was this when he was playing here? Yes. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Now, how? What? When? When? when are we oh, talking? this was two thousand two. Okay. He was playing at, uh, I guess, what was called Keel at okay. the time, and and so I I interviewed him and I talked about, you know, what did um, they tell you? you? Got five minutes or what it was? They called me the day before. They said, "You want to interview Paul McCartney?" I was like, "Well, duh." <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy so to do that. they're like, "All right, be here at this door." I get there at the door at uh, at at Keel, and I wait and I wait. I finally go in, and I get taken to a backstage room, and these two lovely British women are back there doing laundry, basically uh, uh, folding and ironing clothes and 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 shit. And I'm talking to, they're like, "Paul will be right in after soundcheck." They would not let me go watch soundcheck for whatever reason. All the ushers had to to get out of the building to come in the guts of the building. Nobody could watch soundcheck, and you know. I could hear it, and he sounded great. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Paul McCartney walked in, man, and I was—I'm never starstruck, but it was fucking Paul McCartney, you know. And he sat, sat on a couch with me, this close, where I had a handheld mic, and he couldn't have been nicer. So that was like that was the second episode we had on the Casey tapes. How many? How much time did you have with him? As long as I wanted. Are you serious? Yeah, I was not. I was. I don't remember being told. I've been told on the phone, like, "Hey, sure. you have seven minutes. You have eight. We minutes. have people. I'm sure you've had yeah. it happen where, like, the PR person jumps on the call yes. and, like, yes. cuts no, it off. No, he was with a tour manager. Yeah. And he, in fact, I think he left. It was me and Paul and the two women doing close. That was it. And um, just you know, the interview went on, and I had the listeners give me some questions, some funny questions, and uh, it was it was great. And uh, it was on mini disc, so we played it back. And it sounds. Disc. Just like, but you know, like we just did one uh, this week. It'll come out uh, tomorrow. It's Paul Rogers of Bad Company. It was one that I did over the phone, but it's on reel to reel. So we had to have the Hubbard engineers put a reel to reel machine in uh, in the studio that we're in. We have we have them. We had them put in a cassette player because some of the interviews are on cassette, some of them are on mini disc, and some of them are on digital audio tape. Uh. So we have four different ways. And so getting back to the podcast, we you know one a week. Uh, we just we you know we. You know, I played the bad company interview and John will, you know, make stupid questions, stupid comments yeah. and, and I'll laugh. And it's it's been great. And we've had uh, this will be episode 27 that comes out Friday. Yeah, and that isn't it nice to have that that wide berth to be able to talk. For us, I assume unless they say, hey, make sure nope. to keep it. Yeah, you can no, talk. You, can talk whatever you, want. you can, you know, I'm not a big cursor, but, you know, like, yeah, sitting here nice bullshitting yeah, with absolutely. you. I, I, you know, I do. And uh, the, the longest one we've ever had was one of John's and it was on cassette and it was Shelly Grafman who was the architect of Casey. Uh, he was the guy. Um and uh Was he in the documentary? I watched the documentary. He I I think he was. Okay. I think he was. Um he was the first general manager really? of Casey. Okay. Um and so the interview was real long and it was him and Smash and it was from the like the late eighties and uh you know we had on cassette so we'd pause it and, and talk and that was our longest episode at an hour and 20 minutes really? most of them are about you know with us are about 20 minutes long yeah. and uh we play them back and it's great to hear unedited versions of interviews that i've had to edit you know like when zach wild threatened to kill me and why did zach wild threaten to kill you uh, because i asked him if he ever hooked up with mike piazza 
Well, we've had a, uh, a difficult spot here at our home over the last uh, seven weeks, I guess, at this point, and that is a flood, a flood in our basement. I would bet a number of you have dealt with this, especially with all the rain we've seen in the St. Louis area and the Midwest. And it's something that you kind of hear about, and then you're like, oh, yeah, but I'm not going to deal with it. And then you deal with it, and then you actually walk down in your basement and you see water rising. And it's a, it's one of the more helpless feelings as a homeowner you can experience. And it's bad enough that you have to go through the whole process of cleaning it up and getting it right. But the thing that, the thing that you, you don't even think about is, oh, wow. I mean, sure, an insurance person, you know, is going to help us out with this. But, uh, you know... This this insurance person is just kind of, you know, collecting premiums and, you know, they'll point us in the right direction and tell us to call this particular person, and that's that. And that's what most people's experience are like. And then you have James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Now, I made the switch to James in October or November of 2018. And I did it because... I had a, an issue with Inside STL that my, at the time, insurance person wasn't around to take care of, and James handled it, and I said, wow, that was a little more efficient than what I'm used to, and that's nice that I can text him and we can get things done. I enjoy that. Not a big phone call guy unless it's absolutely necessary. So that was nice. And then I'm like, God, you know, I'm doing this with this, and I'm doing that with that. I should really change on insurance as well. And I did. Had I not switched to James Carlton while we went through this cleanup and now restoration from the flood, uh, I, I, I doubt our basement would be ready by now. He has been so helpful. And, and on top of it, now at this point, it's basically done and he still is checking in. And he doesn't need to do this stuff. And it's not unique to me. I've had so many people, and it's great because honestly, we've had a number of insurance people advertise over, over the 15 years of TMA. Let's be like, oh, man, nobody's really been able to crack the market. Uh, well, James did. He was persistent with it. The audience has now made a lot of switches. And so many people are like, boy, you're not kidding. That's a, that's a, that's a different operation there. And you don't realize it because you're just like, yeah, I, because if you don't need insurance, and by that I mean you haven't had to call the insurance person for, you know, some kind of issue, uh, you don't think about it. I get it. I was right there with you. I was right there with you. And then I didn't even know what coverages I had, and then more importantly, what coverages I didn't have. And James immediately digs into it, and then he finds ways to not only save money, to make sure that we are covered. I, I can't overstate it enough. I, if you saw me out and you asked me about it, I'd tell you the exact same thing. I mean, it's a commercial, but it's not, because I am a client. 314-961-4800 to go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. <laughs> you ask the questions that people want. But but here's the thing, though, dude. I <laughs> was friends with Zach. I had been to parties with him. He had been on the air with me when I was doing 7 to Midnight. He came on, and he was great. He was funny. He wanted to do the weather. He plays guitar. We went out to Mississippi Nights afterwards, and he played with the Stubblefield Band from Alton. Got on stage. Then we went to the strip clubs. Then we ended up at Pops. <laughs> right. So I knew this a good guy. Good night. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and 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 subsequent visits, he would come into town, and and so I knew. Him. But this this particular one, he was, he was uh, not the same. I, I just I knew it from when I stepped on his bus, um, and so I gave him shit about Mike Piazza because I knew he was friends. Mike Mike Piazza is the godfather of Zach's son. And so, you know, we were bullshitting about the interview, and, and he was not 
nearly like he used to be. And I said, so all this crap about Mike Piazza being gay, do you guys ever hook up? And he goes, no. And everybody on the bus is laughing, you know. And uh, he goes, how, how about if I shove that microphone up your ass? And I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, and I try to get a word in. He's like, so you could tell he wasn't, like, no, he man, was serious. He wanted nothing of it. He was like, wow. that's not fucking funny, man. I ought to break your goddamn neck. That kind of shit. I mean, it was the most. So what are, what's scared. everybody on the bus doing at this point? Now is it got quiet? Yeah. Dead silence. Yeah. And then the last thing he said to me, well, then he took his sledgehammer of a fist and tried to break my mini disc player. Here's your goddamn interview. And I was sitting next to him like I was with McCartney. Right. And he just, boom. And uh, the mini disc player, you know, fits on my lap. And all he did was knock the batteries out of it. I'm picking shit up like a schoolboy. And when I got to the, bu- to the the door, it was dark. You know, I couldn't see where the handle was. And the last thing he said to me was, I ought to fucking kill you. That part never made it to the interview. But the all the other shit, he didn't do anything to the mini disc player. I went back to the van, which was parked in front of the amphitheater. We were in the bus in the back. Went back, fed it to the board op, Amanda Valentine, who's on... Uh, uh, radio in Cincinnati. She was a board op at that time. She edited out the curse words. Boom! When we aired it right oh, there, right away. No it was way. great. Oh my god! And so to play that interview with no edits, you know, on the Casey tapes, John. I'll never forget John saying, "I feel, I feel really nervous right now. I feel bad for you because you know we were pausing it, and you know he's like, did he get pissed off there at yeah. that question?'" Yeah. I was like, "No, he really wasn't pissed yet. He was just. I thought." You know, with Zach, he had uh, there had been a big rumor of uh, steroid use because yeah. he was he was a mountain man, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he would drink a lot, and um, you know that's what caused him to be different. But it's stuff like that that you can play on the Casey tapes and get away with. Uh, I got I got to listen. This is like right up oh, my alley. Yeah. That was episode, uh, I believe that was episode three. Yeah. Three or four, yeah, I'm it's going there. To be subscribing to yeah, yeah, you should. I, think I like love it. that type of shit. Yeah, I love that type great. of shit. That's the best. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious for you when you look at like where you are in 2019 and where things were when you started in '91. There, how much has changed? I had Mandy Murphy in mm-hmm. earlier this I week. Love Mandy, man. Yeah, just an incredibly kind yeah. woman, and obviously, you know, a, a stateswoman of local St. Louis totally. news here at this point. Uh, going back to, I think, 92 is when she started at KTVI and how much the business has changed. And I know it's 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 in a, it's a cliche question, but I do like when people kind of introspectively go, yeah, you know what? Here's what I used to do and here's what I do now. Like a podcast. We know what the hell was going right. on with a podcast right. 15 years ago. Exactly. What are things that you look at and go, yeah, this was what's going on then and that was much better. Or this is what's going on now and this is much better. How do you see it? Well, I think... Uh, technically, it's certainly changed. I mean, I look at it as when I started Casey, we were playing CDs, and we had a huge CD yeah. rack, and you'd get your hours worth of music, at least I always did, and have it on a little stack, and that way you didn't have to get up every time. And mm-hmm. and and then the commercials were on carts, and yeah. we had six carts cart machines, so you had to be on the ball. You had to run a good board, you know, for the music. You had to make cool segs mm-hmm. if it was possible. When the commercial break would hit, you'd you'd press cart number one, and then when it would end, you'd press cart number two. I mean, you had to be on. So the a ball. commercial break was not a break. No, it was not a break. Like you had to really time your shit breaks out, your piss breaks out. Because, <laughs> you know, you asked John in the old days. You know, especially when they were on vinyl, it was a different story then too. You know, you had to be really careful. And but it was the same thing. You had to be there for the next song to start. You know, if you played a longer song, that gave you more time right, to do whatever right. you needed to do. 
It was the same thing. And so then in, uh, so that was 91 when I started, we were already on CD. By about 99 is when we went to uh, Scott Studio. We have Wide Orbit now. But so everything was like on a giant iPod. You know, basically we kept all the CDs. All the CDs are still in the studio today. You know, the day-to-day stuff that we play is is on Wide Orbit or used to be on Scott Studio. Yeah. And But, you know, the day that Ozzy kicks it, you know, and dies, I'm going to want to play something that's not in the system. So I'll play them from CD. So we have CD players still in the studio uh, today at Hubbard. And um, uh, we still have vinyl. We have a turntable. Um, there are, I hardly ever use it, but you know, there are times when you might, if I have the freedom to play a song that, that we don't have on CD, but right. we have it on vinyl. Yeah, on vinyl. Play it on vinyl. That. That's the so technically that, you know, that part has changed. Uh, dude, I have to tell you, I, I would tell anybody now, do not get in this business. That's what Mandy said about her daughter who is in theater, which seems, you know, that can be a, a tough bracket yes. as well mm-hmm. but she would say not to get into it. and i would say the same thing mm-hmm. and yet really here hard. we are whether it be me you or mandy and i would imagine people on the outside looking in would go and you guys have i mean my god 20 right. years at one place and mandy 27 years almost right. at one place and well i'm lucky you know you know once you get to casey you don't leave yeah. um th- that all being said i would go and speak at career days at schools uh, over on the east side, uh, Collinsville, Bethalto, Granite City, I know I did. And finally, because of layoffs, okay, because, you know, you've been in the business long enough. You know, we had layoffs at Emmis. Uh, it's a publicly held company. Right. You have to perform, yeah. you ha- you know, and it's unfortunate. And so Mike Duran, uh, one of our super talented, you know, guys, DJs, he, he did mornings at The Rock when they were there. Um, great production guy. He's a, he's a voice guy. He got let go that one year along with, I don't know how many other people. And I was like, I can't do it anymore. I cannot sit there and tell students. Yeah. You want to be a DJ. It's great. Look at me, blah, blah, blah. It's just not that way. Um, unless you're super talented and you get an internship and you get your foot in the door and then you basically do what, you know, uh, you know what I did. Sure. You did too, where you just did anything that they asked you to do. Um, and then maybe they hire you. That's the way to get in. Yeah. But if you want to start out in Podunk, Missouri, and work your way up, that was cool. Twenty eight years ago, I was ready to go to Springfield. I knew that I was good in a, good enough to be in a medium market. I was ready. I was ready to make that jump. And but now, no way. No. I would tell people if if you want to be on the air, and if you and if you're if you're in your thirties, forget it. Yeah. If you're just coming out of college, maybe. Maybe, but but you got to have an end somewhere. So, yeah. would you have said this? Would you have said the same thing at Career Day ten years ago, or is this a more no. recent phenomenon? No, I probably wouldn't have said it ten years ago. And 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 the the times that I I did Career Days, we had layoffs, you know, and I I was still and I still love the business, but back then I was just like, ah, you could still do it, man. You could still, you know, learn is a great example because learn uh, got her internship. And then I helped her along. Uh, I thought she sounded like she should be on the point right yeah. away. She gave yeah. me a tape. And I was like, you sound like you could be on the point right now, you know. And, um, you know, it turns out she worked in promotions. She got to be on air. That's how that's how that works. You have to be really, really good if you expect to jump on a station. That's why, you know, the, some stations, they, they hire people, you know, right out of the uh, – with no experience whatsoever. Mm. And it's just like, you want your station to sound shit? Yeah. 
You know, it, well, that, I mean, that, that's just not how it works to me. I guess it's a cost-cutting thing. I mean, a lot of stations now, everything's yes, automated. it is. You know? And in fact, when remember, guys are doing sto- you know, shows, whether it be, and I'm sure it does go on in St. Louis, they're, they're, they're voice tracking it, you know, take right. a pick from L.A. or New York. And I know a, in St. Louis. a friend of mine, Hayes, who yeah. works at yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. KNOU, he voice tracks at least three other marks, markets, you know. Um, you remember Woody? Oh, sure. Okay, so Woody yeah, used to do mornings at the point. I follow him on Twitter. He just last week he complained that what is LA the number two market in the yeah. country, something like that? The radio station or stations out there were hiring green DJs, never been on the air anywhere to to be on the on the radio. He's like, What the fuck is that about? Yeah. You especially at the number two market, yeah. you've Got to sound good, yeah. man. You got to sound yeah. like you've you've been around a little bit, yeah. you know. And and a lot of people think they can do it, you know. And but then when they get in back of a microphone, it's not that yeah. easy. I yeah. mean, it's easy for us because we're naturals. But at the same time, I could never do sales. Mm. Never, right. never. Right, right, right. Don't tell me then how to do my job, and I'm I'm not going to tell you how to, how yeah, to do absolutely. yours because I don't know about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. Now it is so. messed up when you think about it. I and, and that's the thing. I like I love it sounds like you're you're in the same camp as me. I love what I do. Yes. But it's the stuff that people aren't aware of that goes on off the air that makes the juice not be worth the squeeze. You know, and I fear for somebody who's eighteen or twenty two or whatever and going, Oh, that's what I want to do. You guys have the best time. I'm like, Yeah, but that's what that's that's between seven and ten. You're not aware of the right. stuff that goes on whether it be before or after, that can cause you all kinds of stress. You know, and I, I would see people, you know, you know, big names still, uh, but certainly, uh, you know, my early days at Casey, just doing what they wanted to do, not listening to their boss, okay? You have to remember, you have a job, and you're supposed to, unless you own the company or own the radio station, you got to do what they say yeah. if you want some longevity. And so I look at it as... You know, sometimes I, I look at it and I go, that's why John is still around. Because John does what he's Absolutely, told. Yeah. I do what I'm told. Yeah. I may not like it and I express it. And sometimes I'll fudge it a little bit. But at the same time, it's just like, I like what I do. Yeah. Why Why would I why just mess it, up? mess it up? Yeah. You know, I, With regard to the business and what you have done now for 28 years, there has to be uh, a love and appreciation for the music. Absolutely. You know, like I couldn't do this, even though our show is maybe 25% sports at this point. It's certainly still, I'm aware, you know, the, what, what the Cardinals did yesterday and the Blues are playing. <laughs> right. I know I'll be watching right. it. I know we'll be talking about it, even though we'll screw off with other things. Right. But you have a knowledge and appreciation for the music. You were a listener before you even started there. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, you talked about your experience with Paul McCartney, the Zach Wilde mm-hmm. uh, bus interview with mm-hmm. the Piazza question. But what have you seen both concert-wise and what have you seen that you can say? I realize there's an omerta of sorts on uh, things that can't be spoken about in your career with musicians uh, um, that uh, that people would be like, no fucking way. You saw that? You know this guy? You interviewed this person? I mean, what? Because I can imagine you've got stories. Well, yeah, I, I, I do. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I was going to concerts like crazy before, long before ever. Casey. Yeah. And so I just always, like I said, I wanted to get in the business because of the music. Over the years, you know, if you look at Casey, that music is never going to go away. The best music of any decade was the 70s. You know, you just, you had Led Zeppelin, you had, you know, the Stones. I mean, you know, stuff that we play now, but you know, the, you know, uh, I just, I, I look at it all. It's not going to get any better than that. 
you know, as far as rock goes. Yeah, I think a lot of people, I think even people in their 20s would would, would perhaps suggest that. Yeah. They, they don't think they would go, oh, yeah, the 80s was the tits, you know? No, I no, I, I, I enjoy meeting younger listeners, especially like teenage listeners who, like, they say, man, I love Led Zeppelin. Well, goddamn, good for you, yeah. you know? I mean, you, but at the same time, I love, I never listen to Casey when I'm not there. I just don't. I don't. I live that life. I have lived it, and I, I don't want to hear it. You know, on my way in today, I was listening to my uh, iPod on my phone, and I I was going in alpha. I've been going in alphabetical order of my songs. Really? And I'm to the W's, and it's taken me forever. And I fast, and I forward through songs that uh, why why do I have this song? <laughs> you know, or whatever. But you know, that's what I'll listen to, or I'll listen. I love top forty. I, I I love current top forty. Yeah, I do. You hear a lot of Ariana Grande. I love her. I think she's the most talented chick out there this? right now. This is very uncharacteristic. I, I want to go what, see her. I'm dying to go see her in this. July. Yeah, this is, this is like the antithesis of what one would think would be going on for somebody who DJs at a place like KC. Right. Um, Bruno Mars saw him a few yeah. years ago. It was the best show of the year that that really? I saw that year. He is awesome. I uh, saw Justin Timberlake not just a couple weeks right. ago, but I saw him a few years ago. He was fucking awesome. Um, I just I think this is healthy that you don't yeah. go, oh, this stuff now oh, sucks. Oh, no, man. I mean, you know, some people will ask me, you know, well, what do you listen to? I was like, well, I listen to stuff that that will never get played on Casey. You know, but if, you know, but they always say, well, what are your favorite bands? I, I always have three bands that in no particular order, and it's Led Zeppelin, Pearl Jam, and the Black Crows. I don't care what it is. I'll listen. I'll have those moments. You know, like I remember Pearl Jam playing on Letterman. And I had one of those Pearl Jam moments years and years ago when they did Why Go? You know, I was just like, that's why I love that band. You know, I'll, I'll hear So this stuff. is at the very beginning or they came back? No, they, they came playing, back. This was yeah. in the mid-2000s. Okay. And right. I was just like, wow, I just had a Pearl Jam moment. Or, you know, the Black Crows. I've 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 met Rich Robinson, you know, many times. I was just with him a couple months ago really? when Magpie Salute was here. And, you know, another band that I, I think the I first time I saw was back in 92 on their second record. And to be able to know them now and, and the, this whole Sammy Hagar thing, you know, that, you know, I'm 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 friends with Sammy. I he had me write the liner notes for his DVD. Um, Are you serious? He did. Really? And I, I, I think about that sometimes and I just got to chill. I I'm just really lucky. And I wrote about the first time I saw Sammy. He opened for Ted Nugent. December of 1978, I was 13 years old. I had never really heard of Sammy, and he just came out and he owned the crowd. And he opened for Ted, like I said. And I wrote about that night. They asked me to do the liner notes, and uh, for this, it was, uh, I forgot the name of the DVD. It was some, the Long Trip to Cabo or something like that. Mm. And they put it in there. And I was oh, just yeah. like, wow, this is, this is that's really happening sometimes. You, you take it for granted sometimes, but uh, other times it's, you know, you you listen to that music, and you you know, like I was just talking about Ariana Grande, and it's just um, it's what I wanted to do. I mm. wanted to be around the music, whether whether it was the music I was playing or whatever. I don't like jazz. You do not like jazz. No, I do not Officially. like jazz. I, I was at Lindenwood, you know, that I talked about earlier, and uh, fuck, I hated jazz. I hate jazz. Yes, that's one spot. I do rap, country. Do. What about rap, those? Country, I'm not a fan. Uh, the country that I like is I had some songs come up. George Jones. Love so you're going that. back, yeah, the old, old school. school. Yeah, uh, I don't like bro country uh, and rap. I think we'll look back on that f 
five or ten year period, which I think will come to an end. I think it'll come to an end and go, wow, what the hell was going on there? You, I think. You think? Or do you think it's going? Bro to, country? You, think, you think it's going to be sticking around for a while? The, the there, money, this, man. Because there's just, so much money in it. Yes. That it's be yeah. Yeah. You look at look at the guys that that and 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 the you know Carrie Underwood's going to play Enterprise Center. Uh, I don't know if it's sold out, but I bet you it's close. Oh yeah. And then all those those dudes that come to the amphitheater every year, Luke Bryan and Jason Aldean, yeah. all these shows are sold out. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like. It ain't my cup of tea, man. Uh, uh. But but it, but rap, my favorite thing right now is Post Malone. Look at you. His record is so good. And this is a guy that plays guitar. Like my 15-year-old son told me, he's like, look up Post Malone hey, on I YouTube. I watched him on YouTube when he started when, out. I'm just like, yeah. who's this guy? Or he goes into a, 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 a guitar shop and, you know, they're kissing his ass. Mm -hmm. You know, they want him to buy 50 guitars yeah. or whatever. But he's in there playing. And I was just like... Okay, I respect this guy yeah. now because he can play an instrument. And I listened to his record. I was like, "Holy shit, yeah. this is really good stuff," you know. <laughs> so there's there's a lot there's a lot more to life than Casey. That's just for sure. Casey's yeah. era. Yeah. So so as far as experiences with people or or it shows, you mm -hmm. know, like I mean, I mean, I can't even imagine how many concerts you've seen. I can't either. Yeah, I mean, is there is there a night at a concert where you go, God, that was like the greatest fucking yes. night ever? Great. What yes. was it? I want to. I'm sure you it's incredible. too. You two at Scott Trade. It was late November, right after 9-11. So 2001. Yes. Yes. Yep, yep, and yep. I remember I did not have good seats, and I went with my friend Sarah. Are you a big U2 fan? Yes, I love U2. Okay. And I had seen them uh, up until that time. I saw them at the old Bush Stadium. Um, I saw them in 87 at the arena where Bono came out. It was game seven of the yeah, World Series yeah, yeah. against the Minnesota yeah. Twins. He came out in a Cardinal jacket and hat. That was the Joshua Tree record. I'll never forget. But this particular night, uh, you know, they were great. And it, uh, I don't remember the album. But it was when they scrolled the names of all the people that died on 9-11. I sat there and cried uh, at the arena. And my, my friend Sarah will still make fun of me to this day. And so will actually you, man, because they called me the next morning. He's like, did you really cry? I was like, <laughs> yeah, I fucking cried, man. I mean, it, it was hard not to. And I just remember being really moved. And I think it was during the song One. Yeah. And uh, I, I'll just, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. And But, you know, as far as, you know, consistent live concert, there's nobody better than Bruce Springsteen. And the East Street Band, because I just, I, and I've turned my friends on to it. I was like, you just get, I, and I, I never use this word for anything. You get a sense of joy when you go to a Bruce show. That's what everybody says. It just looks like they're having it. fun, yeah. man. And it's, it's but so he's different. Like, but, but these, he doesn't do like a 90 minute set. I mean, doesn't he just Three go hours. bat shit? Yeah. Yes. You know, the first, and the first time I saw him was, and actually the reason I got into this business was because of JC Corcoran and the U-Man back in the morning zoo. And I used to listen to them when I worked for the state because I would be by a radio eight hours a day. I would listen to Casey. I'd listen to these guys and go, wow, they're having fun. They're getting food. They're getting chicks. Yeah. I want to do that, yeah. you know? And so when Bruce had Born in the USA out, uh, he was doing his stadium tour in 85. I was going up to Chicago to Soldier Field. My sister lives up there, my brother-in-law, and we were going to go. And I called John and JC and said, hey, I'll be your correspondent if you want, you know. And so I went to the show, and I'll never forget, it was the first time I saw Bruce, and I was at Soldier Field, and there were 60,000 people, and our tickets were behind the stage, and it was the most amazing experience I've ever had. I mean, I, I looked at the back of his head practically the whole time, <laughs> but he also played to our yeah, and yeah. the crowd. And I look at a guy like that, and I just I try not to ever miss him anymore. I just saw the thing on uh, Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. I had on somebody Netflix. tell me that it's like 
uh, one of our sponsors actually, and he said he's for real. He goes, it's you have to watch it, even if you you're do. not like some. It's just like one of the greatest things ever. It's uh, it 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 goes along right with his book. It's like he's almost reading from his book, but he's not reading. Yeah. It's, it's in his head, and he does all these stripped down versions of songs. It's just him and his wife came out uh, for a song or two and tells stories about growing up, uh, you know, about Clarence Clemens, the big man. Uh, it's 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 amazing. And in fact, I've got it on my phone. So when I was listening to these songs in alphabetical order, sometimes that stuff would come up and I would just be listening to Bruce tell these stories. And, I'm just, and then they would go right into the song, like yeah. 10th Avenue freeze out uh, or something. It was just so fucking cool. Oh, that's the man. best. It was, it was great. That's the absolute best. So. An artist that you've met that lived up to your expectation and if you're comfortable saying an artist you've met or a band you've met where you're like, man, I was really looking forward to interviewing them or meeting them and God, um, they fucking suck. I, I think, I think Sammy, um, what is the deal with Sammy in St. Louis? Casey. <laughs> Casey. Is it everything there? That's it. That's it. Because Casey started playing Montrose, the Montrose record, the, the, the great influence that, that Montrose has on so many hard rock yeah. albums with rock candy and, and Bad Motor Scooter and, you know, all these Make It Last, all these great songs. They had a hit in St. Louis where they didn't have a hit anywhere else. Casey made a lot of careers for a lot of people, uh, a lot of other artists, and and Casey helped to make Sammy's career for sure. And so, so that's he hasn't what started forgotten that. It, and he has not forgotten that, no. And so I used to listen to Sammy get interviewed on Casey back when I was a teenager. I was like, wow, he would stop by Crestwood. You yeah. know, and then, you know, I, I would see him and then I saw him in the 80s and then I got to interview him on the phone, I think was the first time in the late 90s, which was weird for me. But then we did the Cabo trip for I don't know how many years. I've probably been to Cabo six or seven times. And uh, virtually all those times we did broadcast from Sammy's Cantina down there and we had access like you can't believe. I mean, the, the one year I was talking to Chad from Nickelback. Chad from the Chili Peppers, Ted Nugent, uh, they were all there for Sammy's birthday parties, and that's why we would go. We would yeah. we would take some listeners or sign, you know, have a promotion, and would go. And you know, that's where my friendship with Sammy and and really started. And to this day, I, I just interviewed him a month or so ago, and it, it's so funny because you know we were talking about, hey, you have ten minutes with Sammy, keep it to 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 this, uh, you know. Well, he, you know, the the people around him change. But he doesn't change. Yeah. So here I am. I'm getting told you'll have 10 minutes. You know, try to, you know, he's coming to town, but try to keep it to that. And I was like, okay. You know? <laughs> Sammy gets on the phone. And the first thing he says was, Favaz. He goes, they, you know, they try to prep me with all these radio stations. I see Casey's coming up. He goes, I got this one, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's just really cool. And he is um, exactly how he sounds. He's yeah. super real and and down to earth. And I, I would say, you know. And knowing him as well as I do, and you know, I just talked to his manager yesterday. He has uh, an idea for, for a thing coming up. It, it's it's cool. I, and Paul McCartney was great. It doesn't get any bigger than that. Than yeah. the Beatle, uh, Zach was disappointing. I, I you know I've told my yeah, you know, my story to kill you. It's not yeah, going to be a polite you know, experience, but it still it really hurt me too because I, I was that the last time you've ever talked to him or since has ever yes, and it was. And then I saw him. No more than six months later, out in L.A. at an Ozfest press conference, and he didn't recognize me. He didn't recognize you. Nope. I was I was at a bar. We they did this press conference and then they had this bar like in the in the next room where everybody Judas Priest was there. I interviewed Ozzy and Sharon that day. Um all the other bands that were were on the bill and Zach was there. 
And I was not about to say anything, <laughs> you know, uh, not stupid. Uh, and, but I was no more than 10, 15 feet from him at the bar and he didn't recognize me or, uh, or anything. So, I mean, that, that hurts still because I love him as a guitar player, yeah. you know? Um, I, I can't, I mean, some, some interviews, you know, you talk to some people, they're kind of duds, Yeah. you know, you, you got to pull stuff out of them. Absolutely. Uh, we just did one with John Paul Jones that I had the bassist from Led Zeppelin and I played it back and John, John Paul is, you know, he talk he talks like this, Tim, you mm. know, he's very, and at the same time, it's just like, okay, I'm there to interview you motherfucker. Come on, <laughs> now, let's, let's get it going on here. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about your solo record back in 1999, but I also want to talk about Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I've got the bass player for Led Zeppelin. So it's stuff like that, you know? I've never really, other than Zach going ape shit on me, yeah. I've never had anybody else. You know, I, I remember when I interviewed John Mellencamp, they warned me ahead of time. And this was in the late 90s. They were like, don't ask him about his heart attacks and don't ask him about his cigarettes, smoking cigarettes. Because he had had like three heart oh, attacks yeah. and he'd still smoke. Yeah. And I was like, great, this is going to be, you know, you know, back back in the day on his records, produced by Don Geeman and Little Bastard. You know who Little Bastard was? John Mellencamp, oh, yeah. John Cougar, whatever. <laughs> so he's got the reputation. So, you know, they were telling me, you know, don't ask him those two things. He was the nicest guy in the world. Really? Oh, fuck, was he it was in great. person or phone? No, it was a phoner. Yeah. And and one of the episodes that we did on the Casey tapes, it was an interview that John had with John Mellencamp on the phone. And it was awesome. He remembers Casey. He remembers St. Louis because two of the guys in his band, his Johnny Cougar band, were from St. Louis. He remembers playing at Stages. Oh, um, wow. You know, it was just really cool. And, the, you know, hearing John's playback of the interview and then comparing it to mine, I'm thinking it in my head. It was the same thing. We had we had belly laugh moments, John Mellencamp and I. And and here, you know, you were warned, don't ask him this. And, yeah. and I didn't. I mean, right. I'm not an idiot. Right, right. Uh, but at the same time, the other stuff that we talked about, it was just super funny. So I can't think of, of, of anybody other than Zach. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people say, well, you you did that with that question. You were trying to be Howard Stern. I wasn't trying to be Howard Stern. You had a rapport with him. I was a dude. I was a friend. I was giving him shit, and I expected him to go, fuck you, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're just busting balls. But he... He, he wasn't he, in a good place he, that particular day. He was day. not. No, yeah. He wasn't cool. having it. Well, man, I've enjoyed this. I got to tell you, for real, like as soon as we're done, I'm going and I'm going to subscribe to your podcast. You should. I, I'm, for real, I'm, not, like, I'm going to have to do so yours good. now, too. I'm going to have to do yours. This is so, I mean, this is like right up my alley. This, it is. This type of you'll, stuff. You'll love it. Uh, for those, again, who have not uh, who have not listened, it is the Casey Tapes with it's you and Casey John Tapes, Yep. Wherever yep. you get your podcast, search the Casey Tapes, yep. subscribe. Comes out every Friday morning at midnight. All right. We've got 27 episodes, so there's something there for everybody. We're going through A-listers nice. right now. Uh, We're like, what are we going to do when we get <laughs> to B-listers? Are the downloads still going to be there? You know, and it's a, it's a ways away. Uh, and uh, and even on the desktop, if you're a desktopper, we have it at KC95.com. All right, so man. Well, I am looking forward to listening to that. I've enjoyed the hell out of this conversation. So have I, Tim. And it was great to finally sit with you after all those years watching you on Channel 4 do sports. And I know you've had a great radio career, Thank too. You, so man. I really I appreciate you asking me. Thanks, guy. Yeah. So there it is. Favaz with us here. On the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. He's presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And then, of course, our sponsors, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Uh, Design Air Heating and Cooling, Seth Goldcamp, online at DesignAirService.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. And Johnny Landoff Chevrolet Highway 270 and the Washington Elizabeth Exit, online at Landoff.com. I am also a client of Johnny Landoff 
Chevrolet. Uh, and they have a TMA special. So if you say free dotum to Johnny the Third or Chip, the new car manager, and you're going out there to get a new car or pre-owned car, you get $500 off. Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, that's where you can do that. Highway 270 in the Washington, Elizabeth, online at Landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads. Um, so uh, Favaz is obviously a good guy. I don't know how you can come away from that and not, not feel that way. Um, but just really kind of a great perspective on this business and, and what he's been able to do. Um, and just as down to earth, it's kind of like what you picture if you're like watching either a show that's about, you know, radio, the music side of radio, he's, he's, he's like exactly that guy, but he's a really good guy. Um, you know, the, the, some of the traits that get exaggerated for shows or whatever, he doesn't have that. So I think we, we either said it at the beginning, um, at the end, but we're talking about Rizzuto, for example, um, of the Riz show. And usually oftentimes when you have these guys that get these popular shows, um, on FM on, you know, kind of the morning zoo as they're called from back in the day, you know, those the kind of, I guess the Howard Stern family tree, uh, and then they would do radio wars with other shows in their market, which is the thing we mock on TMA. A lot of times those guys can be rough, but like Rizzuto's is down to earth as it gets. John Hewlett's is down to earth as it gets. Favaz is down to earth as it gets. Just some really good people. It's a good uh, era right now in St. Louis radio as far as the caliber of people, I think, who are uh, the captains of the ships of their respective um, popular programs when we're talking about, you know, guys like the... The names I just rattled off, and uh, and plenty of others as as well. Uh, so enjoyed uh, that conversation. Some behind the scenes on St. Louis music history and KC's history, a storied radio station there from a guy who's been been there for the last few decades and uh, knows it just as well as anybody. Guy Favaza Favaz here on the Tim McCurney Show. Thank you to him for coming into the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Thank you to Gangster Pete Nagy for producing this masterpiece. Thank you to the sponsors for sponsoring. And thank you to you for listening to it. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.